2: Hey guys, producer Matt here. Just giving you a quick heads up that this week's episode, there's a little bit of an audio issue on the guest's mic. I tried my best to edit it so it's not too obnoxious, but hopefully you guys are able to stick through it. And we will get Matt Destefano back on a future episode when we're able to hang out with him face-to-face and get some really good top-notch audio for you guys. Thanks for listening.
0: This week, we get a little controversial talking about Rick Springfield. On one hand, he's had 17 top 40 hits in his career. But on the other hand, if you asked a person on the street to name another song than Jessie's Girl, you'd get a blank stare. The song was an absolute phenomenon, and it was a song based on a real situation. In other words, Rick thought his buddy's girlfriend was hot. This week, I'm joined by Casseth's frontman, Matt DiStefano, to debate if Rick Springfield is really a one-hit wonder but the point is probably moot one hit is all you need to make the money guaranteed and you can live off your team Just a wonder, or is it so we're doing jesse's girl oh, so rick springfield matt kelly is ready for yes it, definitely we can start <laughs> yeah so uh matt i have a feeling okay. here we go just and i i mean this in the the best way possible sure. uh, when i listen to your band cassettes i feel like you guys are rick springfield influenced is that true I-
1: I think at least for myself, that is 150% true.
0: Dude, yes. <laughs> when you, if you listen to the first song on Wild Heart, it sounds like if Rick Springfield just was a little bit more punk.
1: <laughs> yeah, that, that one in particular, it's funny, we were, uh, the beginning of the year when the record came out, we were a featured artist on one of the local rock stations, and one of the really old school guys called our drummer while they were playing one of our songs and was just raving to him about how much he loved our band which was very nice but also he called us the modern day Rick Springfield which was like a huge compliment to me because I I I love Rick Springfield and I'm I'm super excited that we're able to talk about him in this context uh, cuz I don't think he's a one-hit wonder at all.
0: Right. I mean, I guess to the layman he's a one-hit wonder but I know I know for a fact that Rick Springfield has like some Diehards Rick Springfield fans out there, and I kinda understand why. His music is kind of like the definition of I I I guess I mean this in a good way, but like if someone didn't know what rock and roll music was, he <laughs> <you> said, This <laughs> is rock and roll music. And and then yeah. it's just it's straightforward, it's super catchy, uh, it's very eighties. Uh but yeah. and Rick I mean, he's great. I mean Jesse's Girl is a really great song. Um, I'm kind of partial to "Love Is All Right" tonight, which actually my band Punchline used to cover that song, which is the weirdest cover. I think we covered it because it was in "Wet Hot American Summer." Um, yeah. But you know the well, dude.
1: The dude is just a hit maker, no doubt. Well, and that song, especially, that's like a super fun song to play. It's just all of the parts are really cool. The bridge is really cool. Um, just that main riff is is super fun. So yeah, he's uh that. Both, both of those songs are off of his, like, I always call it his first record because it's his first real record that anyone heard and everything before that was super different. Right. Working
0: um, class dog, right? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's Spuds McKenzie on the cover of that.
1: It's right. actually, it's his dog. Oh, who, I'm <laughs> blanking on the dog's name. Um, He talks about the dog in his book. Um.
0: Oh man, you are serious, I'm deep, man! You are—you came with the knowledge, like I don't. I came e- with the knowledge. I don't even I have saw... to. <laughs> I don't even have to have Wikipedia open for this one. No, no, I'll
1: try to try to hit as much as, you know deep info as we can. I'm a yeah, I'm a I'm a big fan. I even like some of his newer music. I think that's one thing that's pretty interesting is he's kind of evolved, and I don't know that anyone has paid attention, but he's made some really cool music even over the past like ten or fifteen years.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's because he's good. I mean, it's crazy. He's, he's good. He's good looking. He's like, (laughs) uh, and he writes pretty straightforward, good, catchy music. And, uh, a couple things I just learned about him today, despite the fact, I guess I'm not as big of a Rick Springfield fan as you are, but I, I do consider myself a Rick Springfield fan. Yeah. But I didn't know he was Australian. I guess I never listened to him talk. I only listened to his music. Uh, yeah, and, and his I- third
1: record is called his third like big record, um, is called "Living in Oz," referring to Australia.
0: Oh, okay. See, yeah. I didn't even I didn't even know, but yeah, uh, I also didn't know that at some point at some point, well, I guess he wasn't married to, but I guess he was together with Linda Blair, who yeah, I think when <laughs>
1: she was like underage, maybe. Oh, like no. it was like consensual. It was like a consensual thing, like. I want to say she was like 17 or something like that. Okay. Maybe she was 19. I don't know.
0: Okay. Let's. <laughs> <laughs> there's, there's no, like,
1: there's, there's no, there's no me too uh, happening with Rick Springfield.
0: Okay. All right. That's good. Uh, because yeah. he, uh, I mean, I, I've always, I mean, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know what to deal with, deal with that is. And, um, but anyway, uh, yeah. Linda Blair, AKA uh Reagan from the exorcist. Yeah. Um, we should talk about Jesse's girl before we get, deeper into it so yeah, i guess jesse's girl kind of set it off right is that what got everything started i mean he was on some soap operas i think yeah first.
1: well he he put out like i want to say he has maybe four albums even before working class dog some that were released in australia some in the u.s but a very different vibe not kind of like the power pop 80s vibe that he's more known for uh-huh. um and I don't, I, I want to say, I could be wrong. I want to say Jesse's Girl was not the first single off of this record.
0: Oh, what was it? We're, I, I, I think, yeah, you can Wikipedia, <laughs> but
1: I think it's, so he does a cover of a song that was a Sammy Hagar song. Um, I do anything for you. Oh, no, I'm sorry. I, I do everything for you.
0: I didn't even know that that was a Sammy Hagar song.
1: Yeah. The Sammy Hagar song is definitely not as good, but I, I want to say that was the first single.
0: Oh, that's cool. And I mean, he won a Grammy. So, so Rick Springfield won a Grammy, too, deservedly. Yeah, Uh, yeah, (laughs) (laughs) that's pretty awesome. Um, but he was on. Okay, I'm 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 looking to General Hospital. Okay, that's what. Yes. And so, I guess uh, that's kind of. So he pulled a uh, way before. What's the guy from Nine (laughs) Hundred Two One Zero who did that? Isn't there? Oh, Jamie Jamie Walters. Jamie Walters, right? Yeah. Uh, but he he was the uh, the predecessor for
1: doing that, right? Or uh, or like a a predecessor to childish Gambino. Oh, true, true. <laughs> <laughs> if you want to go for a more modern reference, yeah,
0: that's gone. that's very true. Are, are you a Gambino <laughs> fan? Oh, definitely. Yeah, dude, dude. And I was a fan. I guess as a really good example because I was I was and am such a big community fan. And yeah then, yeah. And then the music I I guess he was doing the music even before community but I didn't know about that beforehand but then it was like damn this dude's like the most talented dude in the world.
1: Yeah. He just does it all. He's insane.
0: Uh but yeah back to Rick Springfield. Um yes. do you have any I I guess with some other people that we've done on here it might be a little harder with Rick Springfield because like if it's a 90s artist, you can be like, what were you doing at the time? Well, at <laughs> the time that Jesse's Girl came out, I was, I was one. So Yeah, yeah. I want to say I
1: don't think I was born.
0: Yeah. So you, I may have been absorbing his music just uh, one way or another, but I, I don't really have any memories attached to Jesse's Girl, except maybe um, when I was a tiny baby. But yeah, um, I'm looking at some more stuff about that. So Jesse's Girl was a number one hit. So, there's only number one. Okay, so that a song doesn't even necessarily have to be number one to be considered a hit. But this dude, sure. he went all the way, and then he got that Best Male Rock Vocal Grammy, uh, that same year. So 1981 was a big year for Rick. In 1981, he would have been so he's born in 1949. Do some quick math. Yeah, he, he got it, like a late start too. Yeah, 32 years old. I like that. I like
1: when people. I do too. <laughs> I
0: like when people are like older, and then. I don't know. I assume he paid his dues. If he was, if he was 32 at that point, I assume. I like when people pay their dues, and I, I like it a lot more than some like 16 year old get, getting famous. I mean, yeah. it should it should just be based on the songs and whatever. And I don't really hold that against young people. I just like it when people, you know, <laughs> have have the long projection. It kind of it gives me hope,
1: man. You know. <laughs> yeah, it's there's uh, this band. I don't know if you're familiar with this band called Great Grandpa they're like a pretty new ish like indie rock band. Um, but anyway, they have a new record that came out and they have this song called bloom on it, where they have a line that is, I forget what the setup is, but the, uh, the finish on the line is, and I think about Tom Petty and how he wrote all his best songs when he was 39. Nice. And it's just like, a it's, it's kind of like similar to that. It's like one of those things that's interesting about, uh, you know, looking at people who had late success or had that kind of really long longevity in their career. Um, yeah it's definitely
0: interesting yeah i mean as as guys who play music and have played music for a long time i think we both can appreciate when someone does it that way and not but that doesn't stop me from liking something that a young person's making like Billie eilish like i could still like that yeah but 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 then you know at the same time like recently i I listened to that new Carly Rae Jepsen album and I'm like, oh, this is so good. So good. Then I found out that she's 34 years old. And yeah, you know, and I'm like, it made me like it like
1: even more. <laughs> <So> I wonder <laughs> so, if that has the uh, the opposite effect on if you're like a 17 year old and you hear Carly Rae Jepsen and then find out how old she is, if that's a turn off.
0: No, no way. <laughs>
1: I think that I, I just think that that it's cool
0: it's not going to have a negative effect on a younger person. They're not going to like something less because someone's been doing it for a long time. But for someone who has been doing it for a long time and knows what's involved, I see that it just gives me that little bit of extra respect. I mean, the song, yeah. the song is the song. If it's a good song, it's a good song regardless. But you know, as far as me like being a champion of an artist or a band or really like, I don't know, feeling that extra connection to them, eh, that doesn't hurt. It doesn't hurt yeah. when someone's paid their dues, you know? No, I dig um, it. And I think Rick Springfield is a good example, bringing it back around to someone that that paid their dues. I mean, he, he was in the pop group Zoot. <laughs> yes. Are you, are you a big Zoot fan?
1: I don't know that I've ever heard
0: uh, yeah. a song of theirs. No. You didn't hear their debut single, Speak to the Sky? <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> <What's>, I have <laughs> seen that record places. I think they've re-released that under his name, like, once he became notable for jesse's girl and things after that i think they re-released some of that early stuff just under his solo name
0: Uh, okay i mean you know going back to what you said about the fact that he's not in the grand scheme of things maybe he's a one-hit wonder and yeah i will note this and i'm sure that you would agree that despite the fact that one-hit wonder kind of sometimes has like a negative connotation I would love to have one hit, like oh yeah, dude, I'll how take awesome. it. Yeah, I would take it too. And I, I once in a while, you'll see people like bitch and complain about the one hit, but I have more respect for like <laughs> back in the day, we did a tour where Tommy Two Tone was on it. it was, oh it, yeah, it was with Les and Jake, and right. So they they would always bring like a uh, yeah throwback act on the tours or whatever, whoever was available, and I really. Had to respect the fact that Tommy Two Tone opened and closed with <laughs> 8675309, and on top of
1: that, had a sequel to the song. <laughs> yeah. So, well, well, that song is funny because during. So I, I have seen Rick Brickfield a couple times over the past few years, as recently as this past summer. Um, nice. And he has a part of his set where he does a kind of medley of some of his like minor hits, but but not anything he's going to be playing in a set. And during that he he starts playing Janny, eight six seven, five, three, oh, nine. And as part of that, his like shtick with it, um, as he starts playing, he's like, A lot of people think that's my song. Definitely not. And then he moves <laughs> on to the next song. <laughs> right. And um wait, wait, what? So he, he plays rick springfield plays oh rick springfield does yes 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 (laughs) oh i
0: thought you were talking about you saw tommy two-tone
1: oh (laughs) no 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 yeah no i would i would never
0: (laughs) (laughs) hey you know what's funny about that is that the the band bowling for soup everybody thinks that everybody thinks that um the fountains of wayne song is that oh yeah so, okay i can see that and so they covered it and they just play it and they're set now. that's funny <laughs> which is pretty funny anyway uh yeah but rick springfield despite the fact that jesse's girl is considered his one hit this was what i was leading up to here he actually had 21 hot 100 hits yeah. 17 of them in the top 40 and five of them were top 10 hits so yeah it is really kind of a stretch to call him a one hit wonder, because I would think that if punchline or cassettes had one song that was a top 10 hit, that that would be considered a one hit wonder. And Rick Rick Springfield had five of them and 17 in the top 40. So I don't know, man, I I guess it's a little bit of a stretch, but Jesse's girl is the one song that like, okay.
1: My mom's gonna know.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's
1: it's the it's the rest of the songs. I feel like if you are someone who listens to a lot of music from the '80s, um, you might be familiar with some of those other songs that charted a little bit higher. But the kind of probably the general music listener isn't going. It's it's uh, they look at maybe Jesse's girl the same way as you'd look at a band like The Outfield and Your Love, right? Or where that's like they did not have another hit. But I feel like people look at those two songs the same way as like oh that's that's that one person's
0: song, right? Yeah, they they probably lump all that. Yeah, Tommy Two Tone, all that gets lumped yeah. right in there. Uh, even though Rick Springfield seems to be, I mean, I don't know anything about the outfield. I do know what I saw from Tommy Two Tone, who just completely was like, <laughs> "Okay, this is my song, and that's all I'm gonna do." But Rick Springfield's pre- pretty legit. One thing that we like to do on here is look at what else was going on in the world of music at the time that the song was a hit. And (laughs) what's really funny about right when the song was number one on the Billboard charts, one of the other biggest singles. And I don't know if you're going to know this song or not, you probably do, was the greatest American hero theme song.
1: Oh yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Which is believe it or not, I'm walking right. on air. That's a I think
1: I, I know that more from Seinfeld as George's uh, Oh yeah, his, his <laughs> answering machine <yeah>. message. <laughs> yeah. of believe it or not, George isn't at home. Please leave a message at
2: the beat. I must be out or I pick up the phone. Where could I be? <laughs> Believe it or not, I'm not home.
0: George, pick up. I know you're screening for Allison. Believe it or not, <laughs> George isn't at home. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the biggest singles of the entire year of 1981 were uh, Betty Davis Eyes by Kim Carnes. Oh, yeah. Uh, Tainted Love, Soft Cell. And Phil Collins in the air tonight. So 1981 was actually pretty cool.
1: (laughs) We actually also paid tribute to in the air tonight on our record too. There's a a very, um, in the air tonight drum fill. Nice. Very nice. So I guess we're, we're indebted
0: heavily to 1981. Yeah, man. And I, I hear it. I hear it on that album and I love it. it. It's great. You know, I kind of feel like, you. you know, when I was listening to, you know, uh, uh, our producer Matt sends us a playlist, which yes. you obviously didn't even need the playlist. I I knew most of the songs on the playlist, but I still was reviewing it a little bit. And I was thinking about that year, 1981. And then I was thinking about cassettes and how you guys kind of reminded me of like a more punk Rick Springfield. But then I was also thinking about like our world. And if you took these Rick Springfield songs and went like little dirtier guitars, yeah, I, I, I kind of felt like, you know you he was almost the line of like what the descendants were doing at that time like <laughs> there was there's a there's a world where th- those sounds kind of intersect <laughs> you know like it, it, it's very close to almost being punk rock <laughs> with yeah. this Springfield, which i think is probably why we like it
1: <laughs> yeah and it's, it's just one of those things where it's like it, it falls right in line with any of the bands so like like punchline or our band or people who are doing kind of the their rock bands and their punk bands but they're playing pop songs it's kind of right in line with all of that Um, right yeah and when when producer matt uh he reached out to me and was asking for you know song ideas for the playlist to put together for us to check out beforehand so i didn't i told him to include some that were from like 2005 2007 right around then that are you know that that production style that was popular in that time and kind of still doing this, these these power pop songs and other than it being an older guy singing the songs like if you switched out that vocal for a younger person it's funny because it would sit right along next to you know the top of type of rock music that was popular it's
0: crazy right and you know what's cool is like when you have when you a uh, when you have a good song where you're not relying on the cliche things of that genre of music yeah. like you know okay so if you think about like screamo music you can't <laughs> yeah. mo- most of that music minus like the exceptions like i don't know like i thought the used is a really good band like you could you could take those songs and put them in another style and they'll still be good songs but most of most of what comes from there if you take it out of that type of music it's not gonna be a good song but a really good song you could take and you could you could change the presentation and the style of it and it's going to be good in every style of music. You could make it into a country song and it's still going to be a good song. You know, you take it just on an acoustic guitar and play it. And yeah. It's going to be good. Or you take it to a whole orchestra and it's still going to be a good song. And uh, Well, that's
1: like, you're, you're, you're speaking to like what he has, Rick Springfield has actually done lately. So his most recent album is an orchestral, nice like a rock album of his hits, which is, pretty interesting that is Um, awesome and then about two albums back he made this really kind of like pop country album which is super weird but the songs are are so strong and um it's another thing where it was like oh if, if he was a new artist kind of breaking in with that song trying to get on the you know the modern country charts it would fit right along next to that
2: for example, musicians like Tommy from Between the Buried Me, Matt from Periphery, Lil Lotus, and Shinigami, among many others. Photographers, artists, designers, YouTubers like Glenn Fricker and Sarah Dici, and I unpack exactly how they got to where they are today, with the goal of helping you do the same. So, if that sounds cool, you can listen and subscribe at SoundTalentMedia.com, and I'll see you there.
1: Right. The other thing that you know, a lot of people don't obviously just hearing Jesse's girl, you're, you're not going to be able to dive deeper but like rick springfield is a shredder that dude can play his ass off it's crazy man we're just
0: we're just fawning over rick springfield over here oh yeah for sure (laughs) uh the dude also i don't know if this picture i'm looking at uh, of him is current oh it's from 2014 the one i'm looking at so so it's only five years ago the dude is 65 years old and looks like he's 30 (laughs) yeah he looks (laughs) great somehow uh so that's pretty cool too uh so maybe maybe you could be 65 and 70 years old and still be making good music you know you know why not why not i don't know why people pretend that that's not possible or something like why i mean
1: damn i think it's hard because there's i know there's there's a certain i feel like as you get older and the more art whatever type of art you create i feel pretentious saying art because i write pop songs but um the more the more things that you create, the more you've already done and the harder it is to do something new or do like a new version of what you've done before. Do you but think... think over time? Yeah. Um, yeah. I was going to say like over time, artists maybe just run out of steam and then they, they hit a wall, you know, when they are 65 and they, you know, anything they feel like was in their wheelhouse to accomplish, they've already done.
0: Yeah, I guess that's that's actually an interesting conversation to have, which I have with my bandmates and friends a good bit is. Why, and I mean, you might disagree with me on this, but it seems like even the bands that I love, once they hit I'm sure there are exceptions, but so many bands, once they hit a level of success, it's like the quality of the music and the albums isn't as good and i and I understand there's this whole level of um you attach nostalgia to the songs right I mean, what like i understand that and i'm i feel like i'm i'm very open minded to like i don't care if someone now has millions of a million dollar budget to record and whatever if if it's still the songs are still great i i could still like that more than i like the old songs i'm i'm going based purely on the music but so many times i feel like these bands reach this level and it's just like what I, I, I always I always assumed it was because you reach this level, you have money now, and, <laughs> and, and you your life becomes a lot cushier. And, yeah, you're not hungry anymore, right? And and it's just kind of like I feel like so many people phone it in, you know. And I I that's that's something I've always told my told myself to make myself feel better. Yeah, our band not being bigger than it is. It's like okay, well, you know, that's just to keep us making. <laughs> Making good music or maybe, yeah. you, you know, maybe what, or I, uh, sometimes I think like, maybe I wouldn't even still be make, maybe something would have happened. Like everybody would have lost interest or whatever. So maybe the fact that never made a million dollars making music is because it, it's just going to keep me making music forever. And maybe that's a good thing because money is everything is, these are the kind of conversations I have <laughs> with myself in my head, which anyone who, has been playing music for all these years, which I, I'm sure that you know we we can relate in that way. Is like that there's you know you you sometimes tell yourselves if you if you if you're feeling down about where you're at. Not that I take for granted the fact that there are a nice amount of people out there that listen to our music. I'm just yeah, saying, man. I'm you just, just saying did a,
1: what? a million Spotify plays on a song. Yeah, yeah. That, uh, that's
0: you know that's the kind of stuff every once that's in a huge. while. <laughs> yeah, every once in a while you got to look at stuff like that and be like oh that's awesome you know because you're always you're always grass is always greener you're always looking for more yeah. you want to be that one hit wonder <laughs> or that <laughs> or that two hit wonder or whatever but sometimes you got to look at shit like that and be like man that's that's pretty cool that's pretty cool that people care to listen to the stuff that we make and um, yeah. uh yeah that's that's pretty neat. Anyway. Got off on a little bit of a tangent I do <laughs> I do want to talk about the actual song Jesse's girl because that's, yeah, let's talk about that's what this is supposed to be it's a it's a pretty funny song it's it's uh it is
1: uh, uh, it's I, a um it's the type of song like which I've written this type of song before it's not a love song it's a crush song
0: right yeah and 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 it's about his friend's girl his, his friend's yeah. girlfriend
1: his so, friend whose name is actually I think it's Gary
0: yes that's true i'm <laughs> I'm looking at that right now. that is true gary's girl it just didn't just didn't go it just didn't flow as well I guess no no probably't want the top. probably didn't want to piss off Gary either but yeah. uh i'm I'm yeah. looking at the lyrics now it's pretty funny <laughs> <laughs> she's she's watching him with those eyes she's loving him with that body. I just know it yeah I guess it's a pretty relatable song to a lot of people who might want to. <laughs> hook up with their with their friends <laughs> girlfriends or whatever uh but you know in general it's pretty memorable uh that's it, it's pretty genius you, you try to think of those those what makes a hit song what i'm I'm always i'm sure you're thinking of this too it's like the one line like defines the song you know that that one thing that you could take away from the song it doesn't matter what all the rest of the words are it's i wish right. that i had jesse's girl that's yeah. that's uh you know iconic man it's just iconic that's
1: huge it's huge the only i think i want to say the only lyric I, d- I think i don't like in this song is when he uh ends a line with the word moot oh yeah just, dude Just kind of a really clunky lyric but yes. maybe that's an australian thing i don't know
0: i agree and i do think that's funny and that is the first this song is the first place I ever even heard that word. And, I mean, I've heard it, I've heard it since then, but yeah, Sure. you know how that it does seem like a stretch when you're sitting down there, when you're sitting down to write lyrics and you have something and you just, you just need to rhyme that word. <laughs> and you just, yeah. It's just really a stretch, but yeah, uh, it, it, it's a stretch, but like you said, maybe
1: that's something that people in Australia say a lot. Well, I yeah. also, that's, I think that's a funny part of it. That's like a part that I always like, if I'm listening to the song, that always clicks with me, whether <laughs> I'm listening to it like passively or, or paying more attention, it's, it, that right. always jumps
0: out. <laughs> we always, on this podcast, we decide if a song is a one hit blunder or one hit thunder as the name of the, <laughs> but I don't think we even need to talk about that. We know that this song no. is one hit thunder. We know that Rick For Springfield sure. is pure thunder and not He's even through, necessarily one hit.
1: <laughs> He's had, he had hits probably, or or not, not necessarily hits, but, you know, notable songs and successful records over the course of probably a decade or so, and then still makes music. This is, we're almost at, what, 40 years after Jesse yeah. scroll 38 years after Jesse Scroll. Right. Which is wild.
0: I mean, he started playing music when he was 13, and uh, yeah. then he joined his first group, Rock House, in 1968. So, That's dude's been man. playing yeah <laughs> rock house yeah i like i like it uh, straightforward 51 years this dude's been making music for
1: 51 years still ripping it up one thing that i think is interesting to talk about when when you talk about him is there's like learning some of this stuff having read his book which is called late late at night which is a jesse scroll reference Nice. Um, <laughs> <laughs> there's uh Stop talking about how when he was young and this super attractive guy, he hated how he looked and got plastic surgery, and how he tried to kill himself multiple times. geez um, Yeah, it's like all and he's even said stuff recently. I think it was after um after the news came out about Chester Bennington. He said something about like, oh, he's like, Oh yeah, I totally get it. I've been there, I'm still there sometimes. So he's kind of like he he's known for his pop music but he's this really kind of dark dude too which I think is interesting
0: yeah i mean especially it's definitely i mean which it oftentimes is and there and it, it's a whole different subject but people that make such you know his music is so for the most part positive sounding yeah. and and yeah. like feel good music and yet you know that that the complete opposite could be going on inside of him and i, I was look, i was looking right here that it says in his early career people always mistaked him for bruce springsteen which is pretty funny dude yeah. uh, this might be a really insane thing to say but i uh i i guess i better i better watch what i say but, <laughs> but
1: i choose your words carefully <laughs> i
0: might like rick springfield's songs more than i like
1: bruce Springsteen. i i, I don't know I would agree with you. I think okay. for, I, I I love Bruce Springsteen. Don't get me wrong. Um, but I think the stuff that kind of connects with the stuff that like checks the boxes for me more right. is you know I've like my two probably favorite musicians or bands are Weezer and Taylor Swift. Okay. So like I feel like Rick Springfield is maybe the midpoint of those two. Right. <laughs> he's somewhere. He's somewhere in there. And um. That, that's just kind of like, I feel like his songs and his style, I mean, I'd say as far as having, you know, records that, you know, start to finish are iconic and are um, just these really, really strong songs. Like, obviously, Springsteen probably takes the cake with that one for for, yeah. for me personally. But I think, like, if, if I were to say, like, who do I like listening to more? It's 100% Rick Springfield
0: right and uh well i guess it's also that their names it's i didn't think about the fact <laughs> rick springfield and bruce springsteen uh, right I, and i kind of feel like me saying that is kind of on the border of like somebody saying like you know what i like the turtles better than i like the beatles or something like that like <laughs> sure. I, I know bruce springsteen's like one of the <laughs> most iconic artists ever and rick springfield is kind of just has a cult following and sure. and and whatever so but i mean it's all it's all opinion uh
1: did you ever see rick springfield's movie hard to hold i i have to say i have never seen that okay. and i i think that i've listened to that sound the soundtrack is great the songs are really good there's a couple other bands that do songs on it but um nice no i don't think that's one i ever really need to to check off yeah
0: <laughs> uh rick springfield played at live aid which is pretty awesome
1: oh i didn't realize that that's cool
0: Dude, could you imagine playing at Live Aid? I'm trying to Yeah, of wanna course. See, I want to see how many people were at Live Aid. It's some it's some insane number of people.
1: There's also as a um, while you're looking that up as a a fan of professional wrestling on the the first ever i think it's just called the wrestling album which was Uh the album that wwf put out at the time yep the the manager jimmy hart has wrote and sings a song on it that's called eat your heart out rick springfield
2: ring ring hello hello hey is cindy in (laughs) no who is this what do you mean who is this this is jimmy hart the mouth of the south where is she she's going to the rick springfield concert rick springfield
0: Yeah, I I saw that in my research. That's pretty wild. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. The Mouth of
1: the South. The Mouth of the... Exactly.
0: I didn't know the Mouth of the South even had a song.
1: (laughs) He actually wrote a lot of the... um, or a good portion of the theme songs for the wrestlers, their entrance music at the time.
0: Mouth of the South did? Yes. Whoa. So so we know that this is uh, one hit Thunder for sure. Um, Oh, yes. And... Oh, I wanted to look up Live Aid as well. Well, Live Aid when you take into consideration all the the uh, televisions that it was on, right. what, one point nine billion people.
1: Oh jeez.
0: Dude. Wow. Can you even imagine like you, you play that one show your career should be set right 1.9 billion in theory Yeah
1: I mean so That's the question who's the least successful art, artist that oh, performed at Live Aid Oh we're, we're in front of that many people who just dropped the ball
0: I got to see because if you yeah if you blew, <laughs> if you blew it at Live Aid I'm going to see who here we go This this lineup's got to be insane The Boomtown Rats <laughs> I I
1: don't Okay know. Don't that name sounds familiar and that's about it.
0: Oh, Spandau Ballet played, which is so awesome. They played true. Elvis Costello played. Okay, so here's <laughs> a, here's some people that I don't know that played. Ultravox?
1: No, got nothing.
0: Nick Kershaw. No. Nope. <laughs> Let me see. Most of these like you know, U2, Dire Straits, Queen, David Bowie, The Who, Elton John. Sure. Freddie Mercury, Paul McCartney, Band Aid played. Do they know it's Christmas there? That, that's weird. <laughs> what
1: time of year did this happen? Yeah, I don't know. I was in it July. Was in July. <laughs> that's Christmas
0: so weird. In July?
1: That's a thing that people say.
0: Yeah. Oh, that's so weird, dude. It. You know, punchline. We have like several Christmas songs. Sure. And we have this one song, "Ice Cools," which people always ask us to play. But I would just feel dirty playing a Christmas song. I would be more likely to play it in June than I would like yeah. two weeks after Christmas. That just feels like weird. I don't know what's yeah, it feels yeah, so yeah. weird about It'd be like watching a Christmas episode of The Office on January fourth or something. Yeah, know, you have to wait till the next year. Yeah, I don't know why that bothers me. <laughs> That's such a weird thing to be bothered by, but I don't want yeah. I don't want to see anything Christmas after like in March or something. It just feels yeah. after July or so, I'm cool with it.
1: Yeah, then you turn it back around. Then it's
0: the Christmas season again. You uh, you get the
1: six-month buildup. Right,
0: that's right. Before we wrap this up, what you got going on, man? What you got going on musically?
1: Yeah, so um, our band Cassettes put out a record earlier this year. It's called Wild Heart. Um, Recorded it with Ace Enders from early November and Nick Brzezzi from Man Overboard. Um, Yeah, that's out everywhere now. It's out on vinyl and um, CD. You can grab that on our website, cassettesforever.com.
0: It's awesome, man, by the way. Thank you. yeah we're, we're really happy
1: with how it turned out. Um, yeah, we're really excited excited about the, the whole record.
0: Remember when we um, played together at um what's up? I, for some reason, I couldn't remember the name of that place Boot and Saddle. Boot and Saddle. I knew yeah, yeah, that's actually yeah, I was trying so hard to remember the name. I love boot and Saddle, but I for some reason, the great name, venue yeah, that name just blanked on me. Oh man, I love the sound there.
1: Yeah, that's where we actually did our record release show earlier this year, which actually is just now up on, uh, which is very interesting. So there's a site called Hate56. Um, so hate spelled out five, the number, and six spelled out. Um, there's this guy, Sonny, who's from Philly, and he they, he just you know does all these live show videos. It's mostly hardcore and metal stuff. Um, but our drummer used to play in a bunch of hardcore bands, so he's friends with them. And he came and shot our record release show and uh it's up there among you know like terror and every time i die nice and, you know this is hardcore fest videos so that's up there now too um which is pretty cool but yeah that, and that was at boot and saddles it, it was super fun
0: yeah man we we can wrap this up i think it's been <clears throat> a very uh a very good episode and you know what i like to think about with these uh the, the closing thought i like to think about is hey man maybe rick springfield's gonna listen to this because why wouldn't you if there was a Chris Vefalius, if there was dudes talking about Chris Vefalius on a podcast and I just happened to be perusing, I would probably listen to it. So
1: Rick Springfield, if you're out there listening, we're big fans. Yeah, um, I propose a, uh, a Rick Springfield Punchline cassettes tour that would actually make total sense. Absolutely. So Yeah, let's, let's make it happen.
0: Let's make it happen at Rick Springfield. If you want to, if you want to uh, do a guest vocal or collaborate on a song, uh, check out our bands. Uh, cassettes yeah, please. And cassettes <laughs> and Punchline. Check us out. We play music that is somewhat in the same world as your music. Maybe a little more punk, but we like you a lot and we think you're cool. And uh, we like you so much. We just made a podcast about you, and we apologize for the fact that it's a one-hit wonder podcast because. We don't consider you a one-hit wonder, even though maybe some of the world does.
1: You couldn't put it any better.
0: Yeah, cool. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Matt. Thanks for coming on, man. All right. Thank
1: you, Chris. This was fun. Hell yeah. I want know what kind of car-
2: This has been One Hit Thunder. One Hit Thunder is produced by Matt Kelly, is part of the Geekscape Network, and hosted by Chris Folios of the band Punchline, Pack, and Another Cheetah. Special thanks to our guest Matt of the band Cassettes. The song I Want to Know off their newest album Wild Heart is playing underneath me right now. Punchline will be playing Anti Fest on March 28th in Pittsburgh, featuring Anti Flag, Suicide Machines, and many other great bands. Visit punchlion.com for tickets as well as news, merch, and other upcoming tour dates. Let us know your thoughts on the show by emailing us at onehitfunderpodcast at gmail.com or contacting us on the social media that's linked in our show notes. And make sure that you rate, review, and subscribe to us on your favorite podcasting apps. We'll be back next week with another episode of One Hit Thunder. And I just can't seem to see the for trees this week. So I'm taking an axe to the woods. You're listening to the Geekscape Network. and create unique and exclusive content like our Concerts on the Corner series.
0: Whether you're a fan of the band or just a fan of great music, we think you'll find something you'll enjoy. We can't wait to see you on the Corner
1: of Gray Street. Hey, what's up? This is Blake Wyland. I'm the host of the Tone Mob podcast. It's a show where I interview guitar people about guitar stuff.